Hey, family and friends, welcome back to Church Public. We are looking at the intersection between church, the intersection between the public, the culture, the society, all the things that are happening today, and it seems like all the things are happening today. We're going to look at those. We're going to look at what we can do about it. How do we engage with this culture, and what are we supposed to do as the church? Tune in, get ready, and let's change the world. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you've tuned in again. We are just trying to raise awareness of what is going on in this world, what is going on in the church, and how do we connect the two? What are we supposed to do as the church? How are we supposed to engage with this culture? Is there really this separation of church and state, and how do we live in that? I mean, we all have lives, and we all have things that we do, and some of those have been taken away. Some of those have been restricted over the past several weeks and months. And how are we supposed to engage with that? And how are we supposed to live in this world and thrive in this world, not just survive, right? And so we want to talk about that today. The first thing I want to talk about is under God. Um, Many of you grew up in a school where you recited the Pledge of Allegiance every day. And uh, many of you could probably recite it now if I asked you to. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I actually happened to uh, be at a school function just a few days ago and got the opportunity to say the Pledge of Allegiance with other people for the first time in a lot of years for me, but it was great. It was patriotic. I really enjoyed doing it. This week, however... The Democratic National Convention, actually last week they met, and lots of things happened. But for us here at Church Public, the intersection in between the church and culture, one thing stood out to me. We've been talking for weeks on end on the need for the current culture to remove God, to destroy God, to get out, to get God out of the hearts and, and minds and lives of the current culture. And so this week, when they did the Pledge of Allegiance, two times, in fact, when they did the Pledge of Allegiance, they quietly removed the phrase under God. And uh, you can go and watch the videos of this this happen. And, and as I just did, most of you know the pledge. Most of you probably said it without thinking about it because you just memorized it years and years and years ago. But in this very telling omission at this Democrat National Convention, they left out these words under God. I think it's hard to overstate how significant this is. It may seem like a simple little change or a small slight, but it's not. This is another link in the chain designed to pull the culture away from its religious grounding, from its moral grounding, and move the culture towards this hedonistic, nihilistic, atheistic worldview that without God, you can make up your own morals. You can live your truth, right? Uh, You do you. Uh, Pretty much whatever you want to do, that is the culture that we're moving towards. Because once you remove God, and we've talked about this, you can go and listen to some previous episodes, but once you remove God, then you don't have to be responsible. You don't have to live according to a moral standard. You get to make up your own moral standard, and that is incredibly dangerous. Because then what is the standard? Is it the standard you set? Or is it the standard your neighbor sets? Or is it the standard the governor sets? Or is it the standard the president sets? Or do we elect somebody else who sets all the standards? Where do we get standards? If it's not from some immutable characteristic outside of ourselves, 
and what I would say, and what our founders said, from a creator that gives us these inalienable rights um, and, and the privileges therein, if we don't have that giving us our morals and our standards, where do these morals and standards come from? And what we're seeing today is, in our culture, the morals and standards that you invent out of the air devolve very quickly into dangerous behavior. And we're seeing that all over the news. Um, Just the dangerous behavior that's happening all over America right now. And, And all that's happening in America is really not about race, and it's not about the virus, and it's not about election. It's about freedom. It is a literal war between freedom and what I look at as safety. Everything you hear on the news is telling you to be safe. Be safe and wear a mask. Be safe and social distance. Be safe and get the vaccine. Protest for other people's safety. Stay in your home for other people's safety. Don't go to work for other people's safety. Don't go to school for other people's safety. Everything that we hear is about being safe and creating this safe environment. But is safety really a good goal? Can you actually be safe from everything? And what is next on the checklist of safety? Driving, flying, eating, drinking? I mean, driving is terribly dangerous. Tens of thousands of people in America every year die from driving. Flying is terrifying, right, for some, and and can be incredibly dangerous. Eating, I mean, of course, you know, if you eat the wrong thing, you get cancer. If you eat the right thing, you don't get cancer. If you drink the wrong thing, you, you get something. If you drink the right thing, I mean, right, it's on and on. And so who's to say what is safe and what is not safe? And then that's really the question. Who is going to say what is safe? And And this goal in itself of safety can only end in permanent lockdowns forever for everyone. The only way to be totally safe is to never go outside and never do anything ever again. And we all know this, but is that even living? Is that even good? Is that even what we want? And you're probably saying in your mind, that's going too far. We're never going to get to that much. We're not going to give up that much of our freedom. And I would say, really? Never? Like when we were told 15 days to slow the spread months and months ago, and then we locked down the whole world And tens of millions of Americans still cannot go back to work, even if they wanted to, because the government says they cannot legally open their business. And you have to wear masks. And in some states, you can risk fines or even jail. And in California and other states, you can't go inside to eat or to work, and you can't go inside to go to church. And I'm not talking or arguing about the science of what is right or wrong. I'm talking about freedom. We have given up these freedoms to live so easily and so quickly. And when do you think we'll get them back? We've given the power of freedom away. And it's going to be that much harder to get it back from those that claim to know what is best for us. And it comes down to this question of what do you believe? Do you believe that you should live a safe life? Do you believe that you should live as long as you can? Do you want to live forever, as Freddie Mercury of Queen said. And many would answer, yes. Freedom, however, has been the central value of America for centuries. But now, at least as far as many are concerned, we've shifted from freedom to safety. Keep me safe at all costs. And why wouldn't someone want to be free? And the easy answer is, It's harder to be free than it is to be safe. More people want to be taken care of and be safe than want to actually be free. This has always been true of humanity. Consider 
the Israelites in the desert after escaping the Egyptians. Remember, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were forced to do labor in the hot Egyptian sun in the desert. They were forced to make bricks and build them and, and build things. And Moses, with God's help, freed them. They escaped to the wilderness, and God provided for them. He provided manna, bread to eat. He provided quail to eat and water from stone. And yet, many grumbled and wanted to go back to Egypt and be slaves again. Why? Because they had better food, and they were apparently better taken care of as slaves. They would rather be safe and certain about their lives than be free in the unknown of God's provision. And we all tend to want this. And if we don't live intentionally, we all do this. And that's the essence of living by faith, in fact. But that's a story for another day. Today we're talking about freedom, because freedom requires responsibility. Freedom requires work. You can't just sit around and be free. Safety requires nothing. Safety gives all of your rights over to someone else to take care of you. We have a huge group of people in America pleading that the government take care of them. They need free health care, free education all the way through college, free housing, free money when you don't want to work. Like this bill that gave people more money not to work than to go back to work. And somewhat money given for past circumstances and hurts instead of working for what they can earn on their own today. But the thing is... You're not supposed to want what is not yours. The 10th commandment, though we've removed that from schools and everywhere, if you do remember, or you can go look it up in the Bible, it's in there. 10th commandment says, don't covet. Um, in other words, coveting is, I want what I don't have. By example, exactly, the basis for socialism, the basis for communism is also, I want what I don't have and you should provide it for me. Maximo Alvarez, an immigrant from Cuba, I just heard him speak the other day, and he now lives in Florida, and he talks about growing up in Cuba with promises from Fidel Castro leading up to Fidel's, um, or Castro's uh, control, we'll say it lightly, control over Cuba. Promises like free education, free health care, Defund the police. Trust the government more than your family and community. Does that sound familiar? These are not the promises that we've just heard today. These are promises given by Castro decades ago, exactly like the demands of some today. Alvarez said these, quote, false promises don't sound radical to my ears. They sound familiar, end quote. He recounts that when, quote, Castro was asked if he was a communist, he said, Castro said, he was a Roman Catholic, end quote. I thought that was an interesting quote because, like Castro, many leaders today have to hide their true intentions um, and even couch it in some form of religion. But the truth of these goals is coming out and becoming more and more clear every day. We are in a war. We are in a war for freedom. Socialism and communism promise safety and security, but they cannot deliver. They have never been able to deliver, and they will not be able to because they are built on a false premise. They are built on the premise that people, when given the choice, will choose the good of someone else. And we know that is not true. We have seen it throughout history, and we see it each and every day right now. People are not choosing the betterment of the person around them. There's one person who said, you should do that. 
that person was Jesus. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as God has loved you. That is a radical and completely different way of living than what our heart tells us to do. Because then we're truly honest. We want to choose what our heart wants to do, which is what's best for me. And we all know that internally. And you just cannot have this goal of freedom and safety. They are opposite. If you want a truly safe society, it has to be imposed on you. A totally safe environment means someone outside of you decides what is safe for you. A free environment, by contrast, allows you to decide what is safe for you. You get the responsibility to choose what is good for you and what's not good for you. A free government, like we've had in America for a couple hundred years, provides protections and promotes justice for all. And we read that through the amendments of the Constitution. And justice in this free government is blind. In other words, you don't get a pass if you're wealthy or special or a certain person. But more and more, what we're seeing in this country is excuses for those that are wealthy or special or of a certain class to do things that generally would be considered unjust. Um, and just a minor example, the VMAs are coming up in New York City. And they put out a statement, the, the New York Health Department actually put out a statement that unlike the regular people, the celebrities that are attending will not have to do the regular quarantine of 14 days as required by New York. And they will not be in threat of the $10,000 fine if they bend the rules when it comes to these virus orders. But they're special people, right? They're celebrities. But again, if, if justice were truly blind, it wouldn't matter who they are, where they come from, what they do. Justice should apply equally to all. Or the rules begin to feel to, I'd say, the rest of us as unjust. That's not blind justice. Uh, that's not the rule of law giving equal treatment regardless of status. It's selective laws based on celebrity or wealth or prosperity. It's a really bad precedent, even though that's a minor example. But it is not indicative of a free society. And as an aside, it feels more like we're getting to the Hunger Games than, than any kind of reality America had. But the problem with pursuing safety instead of freedom Freedom is equality for all. So if there is inequality, we can address it. And for certain, America has had its share of inequality. But it was built on the premise that if we have inequality, we can address it. And we have been doing that over the centuries. We have we fought a, a huge bloody battle, the Civil War, over the inequality of slavery. There were um, civil rights laws in, in the 60s um, that addressed more inequality. And we've been slowly but surely moving towards more equality for all. And if there are still things that are um, not just, then we can continue to, through our government systems, address those. But to throw them out and to say that let's give the government all the power so that they can choose what is just is a dangerous statement because who then decides what is just? And for instance, the First Amendment is a great example of that and some of the things that are happening right now. Because speech is an area that we're pursuing safety 
instead of freedom. Under the First Amendment, the government provides protection for speech you don't like so that you can decide what you don't like. The debates we're having right now are trying to remove speech that you don't like. Many of the social media platforms, we've talked about this before, have truth checkers to see if what was said was true or false, or worse, hate speech. Most, if not all, colleges have some sort of truth ambassador or some group that makes sure there is no hate speech on campus. But again, who decides what is true? Who decides what is hate speech? It sounds great that we remove things that are hateful, but what if quoting Bible verses becomes hateful because people don't like what it says? What if Shakespeare becomes hate speech? What if Aristotle becomes hate speech? What if a doctor's opinion becomes hate speech because we don't agree with that doctor and we want to agree with a different doctor? And none of these are hypothetical. All of these have happened and have been labeled hate speech this year. The way to counter false ideas is not by censoring them and removing them. Again, it sounds like you're protecting somebody by removing this information from them, but the way to counter false ideas is with true ideas. Truth is power. Truth wins out. Truth is stronger than lies. The world is full of lies, and that is not surprising because Satan is the king of lies. He is planting all kinds of lies in the hopes that it creates division, fear, discord, hate. Do you see any of that in our culture right now? Of course. He is working, and we are not sharing the truth enough because we are scared. The truth requires boldness. Freedom requires sacrifice. Jesus is the truth. Jesus has paid the sacrifice, and we are called as followers to be light to the dark world. We're empowered to speak the truth to these lies. If the body of Christ speaks up about the truth, it cannot be stopped. By removing God from the pledge, from schools, from our homes, from our churches, we cannot possibly have truth. And without the truth of Jesus, we cannot have freedom. We get lost in our fear. And the only thing left is to cling to our lives and the safety that these outside forces can provide. And sadly, because we're all broken, even the best intentions to provide safety will fail. They always have. This is not a battle of ideas. It's not a battle even for a nation. This is a battle for the souls of those that don't know Jesus and are living a safe life so that they can avoid death. But what kind of a life is that? It's not a life. It's not living. It's fear and it's a prison. Instead, if we tell people there is life after death with God forever, we can start living now in the freedom Jesus bought for us on the cross. Let me encourage you. Freedom is better than safety because we are all going to die. How are you going to live? Thanks for being with us today at Church Public. I hope this has been inspiring. You can always go and check out more at churchpublic.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Check us out on the socials. Um, we're on most of them. And uh, let me know what topic you want to cover, and I'll, uh, I'll try to work that in. As always, thanks for listening, and God bless. <laughs>